Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com slash connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, I'm Maria Geffers, and uh, I am Tom Geffers from Career and College Counselors. Right, and we'd like to welcome you to another great adventure that we have every week. We are always on an adventure, and we always have experts in the career, in the uh, fields of career, college admissions, and financial aid and funding. Right. So this week, we are really uh, excited. Yeah, this, this week, uh, I'm very happy to have uh, Lance Morgan on with us uh, today. And he's from College Funding Education and is the name of his company. And the essential question that we're gonna answer today is what is the new way to pay for college and how come you don't know about it? Okay. <laughs> and and uh, Lance, I know you started off in, in being a financial advisor and you decided to specialize in college financial funding. You wrote a book called Retirement Scholarship uh, Strategy so how did it all come about and how is the, the college funding and retirement funding related? Excellent question. Well, as a father of five kids, as my kids started getting older, the more I started getting concerned about how I was going to help them pay for college. I had gotten into the financial industry as a way of giving myself an advantage for retirement and everything else. And I was doing what everybody else was doing. I was uh, teaching people how to use 529 plans. I was setting up 401ks for companies. I was doing IRAs, mutual funds, assets under management, all of the traditional financial services type work. And when I started, when I decided to go out on my own and start my own company, the timing wasn't the greatest with, uh, with the recession, actually. It kind of hit me pretty hard. The timing wasn't the greatest, and I ended up losing everything. Mm -hmm. And we lost, I, I mean, I cashed out my retirement and college savings and everything to help keep my employees. I was trying not to lay anybody off, mm -hmm. and we ended up uh, losing our house and everything, um, trying to get the company up and running. And... Shortly after that, I realized that it wasn't about financial products that were the solution to anybody's financial financial situation. It was it was about strategies and thinking about money completely different than what I had been taught and what I was teaching my clients. And I ran into a guy named Don Blanton who um, taught financial advisors about money and financial strategies. And I ended up going through an entire year-long program just learning about money and the six major, what he calls wealth transfers. And one of the six was how you save and pay for college. Mm 
And at this point in time, I knew I had to make up for a lot of life lost time because my kids were getting older. College was just around the corner. And I felt sick as a father who couldn't, you know, help them financially because I had just lost everything. So I knew I needed to catch up and uh, make up for a lot of lost time. And so as I went through this program, I was quite embarrassed, actually, about how little I knew about financial strategies, because I was always just taught how to sell products. I was never really taught to think differently about money. And during this program is when I learned to think differently about paying off your house, about saving and paying for college, about retirement, tax strategies, other major capital purchases. I've got four daughters, so I've got weddings to pay for. (laughs) You know, all, all of that, all of that was coming into play. And I started teaching, of course, my clients some of these things that I had learned, and the interest around college funding was just super popular because it's definitely a sore subject. I know a lot of our clients who will work the rest of their life if they need to, um, and they're willing to make all sorts of sacrifices to help their kids with college, and I admire them for that, but I'm also sick to my stomach for them, you know, thinking about how much they have to sacrifice, and I know as a father of five kids, I know what a sacrifice that can be, but we we all want to help our kids to get the best start in life, right? We want them to be able to choose the career that they've always wanted. We want them to be able to go to the school that they want to go to within reason, obviously. And we want them, uh, we want to do it all without sacrificing our lifestyle and without sacrificing our retirement. And this particular topic just kept hitting home more and more as my kids got older and as it got to be, you know, closer to, to my situation myself. And I ended up just following into this, uh, into this little niche. And what I like about it is that not a lot of people are teaching what I teach. Um, it's a little bit controversial because it's different. And most people just think that their goal is to save up enough money to pay for college. And then if they can pay cash, they feel like they've succeeded because they don't have to take out any loans. But the reality of it is when you pay cash for something, you lose the the interest that you could have earned on that money, right? So there's what we would call the opportunity cost of what that money could have earned towards your retirement. And so, you know, we talk to people about, you know, if you could borrow money for college at a lower interest rate than what you could earn on your money, then that would actually be the smartest way to pay for college. So just in how you think about paying for college, it's a little bit different. And it goes against the general, you know, thought process of most people. Most people don't like debt, um, which I don't either. Nobody likes debt, Mm -hmm. but we have to define what is debt. You know, taking out loans at a lower interest rate than what you can earn on your money is not necessarily debt because you have the money. So as long as you have the money to pay off the loans, then it's not debt. So that's just a different way of looking at it, I guess. Right. (laughs) So, you know, in your webinars, which I've I've, uh, watched a few of them, and uh, you talk about the new way to save and pay for college. And you've alluded to that already, that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, way most financial advisors don't know about, probably don't know about, because when I ask our clients, you know, does your financial uh, advisor help you with your college uh, search and finances. And most of them say, no, Yeah, they, they help us by mutual funds or, or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, but they have no information on how to help with the college uh, funding journey. So, you know, your new way is um, 
for you if you can go into some detail uh, on how that works. Numbers are hard to talk about, I know, but sure. if you can go into some detail on, on the basics of how that works. Yeah, I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick overview, and then you can dig deeper with questions if you want. But but basically, there's traditionally two ways to pay for college. One is save um, and pay cash, or a lot of families don't have enough saved. So they try to cash flow it as their kids are in school. They eat, you know, ramen noodles and live in a van down by the river. So they, so they can try to cash flow as much of college as they can and avoid loans. That's kind of, you know, that's one way to pay for college. The second way to pay for college is taking out the loans, right? If you don't have enough money saved for college and you can't cash flow the cost of college, then of course you're for, forced to take out loans. So you borrow the money and then you spend 10, 20, or even 30 years paying back the money that you borrowed for college. Now, I guess you could say there's a third way, which would be a combination of the two, which is the most common. Some families have a little bit saved and then they try to cash flow as much as they can and then they borrow what's what what they're short, right? But no matter what, there's really either pay cash for college or borrow. Those are usually the two options, maybe a combination of the two. The third way or the new way to save and pay for college is to leverage somebody else's money at a lower interest rate than what you can earn on your money. Now, a lot of times when I say that, people think that they have to start when they're young and uh, or when their kids are young, they have to save up all this money. But most of our clients are actually um, families with seniors in high school and not enough money saved for college or no money saved for college. And so then we could leverage some of the college loans that allow you to defer the payments and things like that so that we can build one of these plans. But, but we can help families to figure out the college funding plan within a five-year window, a 10-year window, or a 15 or even a 20-year window. It doesn't matter. It's all based on the cash flow of the client and what they can afford. And then some families can only help their kids pay for some of it. Some of them can only help pay for you know, none, some of them can't help pay for any of it. And then, of course, a lot of families want to help them pay for all of it. Everybody's different. But the gist of the concept that we teach is we show people where they can save their money at a 7% return on average and use that money to borrow money at 5% fixed, guaranteed. So it'll never be more than 5%, even if you have kids that are in elementary school. You know, someday in 15 years from now, you could still borrowed money at 5%. And so that's the idea. If you could earn 7% on your money and borrow the money at 5%, you're actually making money, I guess, on the cost of college, right? And that difference between, you know, you've got your money like is 7% on average, the money you're borrowing is 5%. I always tell people it's like two cars driving across the country. One's going 70 miles an hour and one's going 50 miles an hour. In the beginning, there's not much of a difference between the two cars, but by the time they get from New York to California, Mm -hmm. there's a huge difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And we always tell families that if you follow this strategy for paying for college, you can actually get the entire cost of college back during retirement. Mm -hmm. So 20, 25 years after you pay for college. So if you're 50, you know, by the time you're 70, maybe 75, you would have a full refund on whatever you contributed yeah. towards college. And, yeah. and uh, is, do you have a problem convincing them of that getting their money, their money back? I, mean, <laughs> I, I tell you, the biggest challenge that we have is just changing how people think right. about paying for college because right. it's a different way of thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And well, I wanted to touch on, uh, I'll get back to that different way of thinking uh, on the money, but when people do their FAFSA forms, and they, they should be familiar with that if they're juniors or whatever, uh, you know, they're going to come out with their expected final uh, family contribution, which mm-hmm. is always a shockingly high yeah. number for most yeah. people. And they yeah. have no way of, uh, 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 no idea of how they're going to pay for that. Uh, so, you know, the concept that you're talking about and the products that you're talking about will actually help lower the EFC in most cases. Can you touch on that? Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate because we get penalized for saving for our kids' college. So, you know, you put money into a savings account, a brokerage firm, or, you know, a traditional 529 account, or whatever other account, most of those accounts are going to be looked at when you're filling out the financial aid forms as an asset that could be used for college. They don't look at retirement assets because, you know, they're not going to force you to take a penalty to cash in retirement or anything. But the money that is designed for college or available for college is considered an asset. And that asset hurts you when it comes to your financial aid calculation. So when you fill out your financial aid forms, they're going to ask about income and assets for you as the parents and also for the kids. Right. And if the kids happen to have income or assets. Most don't, but some do, you know, and they're going to take your income and your assets and that's going to come up with, they call an expected family contribution number. It's a number that you're expected to pay. Well, actually, let me back up. It's not the number you're expected to pay. It's the number used in the formula to determine, you know, if you qualify for financial aid. So if your EFC number is 25,000 and the cost of school is 50,000, then they take the cost of school minus your EFC number and you qualify for $25,000 of financial aid. So by saving for college in the wrong vehicle, you're actually hurting your chances of getting financial aid. Right. And as far as the 529 plans are concerned, I mean, they were very popular and I guess they still are, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty much uh, an IRA, the same concept. Correct. I mean, but you can use take the money out and use for, for college if, if need be. Um, you know, 529 plans can be very detrimental to you, as you think you touched mm-hmm. on, as far as mm-hmm. the assets. How, how do they look on a 529 when the uh, schools look on, on that as an asset? How is it counted? Yeah, so it would be closer to like a, a Roth IRA in the sense that it's going to grow tax-free, And you're going to be able to access the money tax-free, but your money goes into the 529 accounts after taxes. And in some states, you know, you're going to get some sort of a tax break on a local state level, and that makes it a little bit better than a Roth IRA. But other than that, it's very similar to a Roth IRA. And, uh, and of course, you know, Roth IRA is technically not supposed to get to until, you know, retirement, whereas a 529 is designed to be used for college. And it comes into the calculation. It's five point something percent, you know, of your of your EFC number. So whatever money you have in your 529 account gets calculated against your EFC number. Right. And what should parents know about uh, having money in their kids names? If, you know, grandma gave them a lot of money and is sitting in a bank, you know, for college purposes, what should the parents know about that asset sitting there? Yeah, great question. Another thing about the 529 accounts is that when, when, when a family is filling out the financial aid forms, sometimes they count the 529 money as their kids' assets. 
but they're not. And you shouldn't do that because then it counts about 50% mm -hmm. towards your EFC number instead of 5% or a little over five. So, so it's definitely you know, important that you make sure that you count those assets as your assets, not your kids' assets. And then some families try to get creative and they try to give the money to their parents, which would be the grandparents of the kids, right? And so now they don't have the asset anymore because they gave the money away to, to grandma and grandpa. Well, when grandma and grandpa takes that money and sends it to the school to pay for college, it counts as income for the student. So it still hurts the EFC number. Mm -hmm. right. And so you really can't get around it, unfortunately. <laughs> so it, it could be a benefit just to hold on to the money and not use it in your freshman year, correct? Or sophomore year, still using it for uh, maybe, you know, junior or senior year tuition or even paying off the loans. You can use that as well, correct? The 529 money? They just changed the rules recently and you can use, I believe it's up to 10000 a year to go towards loans, but they... They actually limit how much of it that you can use towards loans. But you're right. One of the strategies would be to use that money later in a way, if it's coming, if the grandparents are going to pay the school, then yes, you would want to pay the school and maybe like a junior senior year. But for the parents that it would actually be better to use it first. So then it's gone and then it doesn't hurt you in, in, the future years, because if you're, if you have multiple kids that are going to be going, you can actually transfer the beneficiary into the oldest child. So if you have two or three 529 plans and the beneficiary is each child, you can transfer everybody into the oldest child and spend it in the first year of school. And then it won't hurt you in future years. Right. Uh, to get off, uh, track a little bit with product, uh, you know, right now homes have very low uh, interest rates and I guess uh, equity loans are still fairly low as well. Are you uh, telling any of your clients to consider, you know, either refinancing or taking out a, a HELOC loan to, to pay to, for tuition at this point? Is there, is there a benefit to that? And it also, I guess, takes off the equity if they're looking at the, uh, the equity of the home on the CSS yeah. profile and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great question. Some schools are going to require the CSS profile, which is going to look at the equity in the home. So anything you can do to um, shelter or use that equity for something else um, and not have as much equity could definitely help your EFC number. The schools don't look at debt. And so you could be in mountains of debt and it doesn't help you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we like to tell people is to use the equity in the home to pay off high interest debt, like credit cards and things like that, because that's not going to help you. But if you could access low interest rate, you know, loans through using your home, then you could pay off some of that high interest credit card debt and use that extra money you free up to help fund, you know, one of these college funding plans. Um, so equity in your home is kind of tricky. And there are some things you can do to, shelter that. I always just caution people, since we're talking about all these different ways to reduce that EFC number, I always caution people to um, not just make all of these changes blindly. Um, for example, let's say somebody's listening to this and they think, okay, great, I'm going to go out and do this, this, and this to get rid of all of my equity and to get rid of all my 529 money. And that might lower their EFC number from 120,000 to 110,000. <laughs> That's still higher than the cost of the schools that 
are out there right now, right? Or maybe you lower your EFC number from 60,000 to 50,000, but you're only looking at local state schools. Right. So you're still not going to, you, you know, might, you might be able to lower your EFC number, but you're not going to save any money. Mm-hmm. You know, so we always caution families to not make any financial decision until they know how much it's going to help, right. you know, because some families could actually, you know, do some things with their 529 money that might take a penalty because there's a 10% penalty on the gains of the account, not the whole account, but the gains, but then the gains are also going to be added to your income. So you're going to take a hit if you tried to move that 529 money, but what if the savings on college would offset that hit? Mm -hmm. But you would definitely want to do the math before you ever made those kind of changes Mm because some families might only have 20,000 in a 529 account. And that might not move the needle enough to make it, you know, to make it worth it. But then there's other things to consider like opportunity cost. Once you spend that 529 money on college, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's no longer compounding interest. So there's the opportunity cost to consider as well. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at a lot of uh, what if scenarios. What if I did this? What if I did that? And how's, you know, what's the best number? Mm-hmm. When yes. all is said and done. Yeah. Which is why you need to have professionals helping you through this. Mr. Google isn't really the best way <laughs> or the best advisor. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. finances and, and what we do in, in college admissions and counseling, you know, you can't, that's what you get when you have a professional working for you and with you. That's so important, especially in the finances. Mm-hmm. So Lance, what is your biggest challenge when you're talking to parents about all of this stuff. I mean, uh, I am not, I'm a teacher. Tom is the financial guy. My eyes glaze, kind of glaze over a little bit. So what is your (laughs) biggest challenge when you're speaking to people who aren't in the field, aren't in the industry, who are going in there blind? What is your biggest challenge? Well, I would say my biggest challenge is very easy. It's, uh, it's It's that I'm teaching people a different way of thinking about paying for college and quite frankly, about a lot of things financially. Um, And then they go back and they ask their traditional financial advisor about some of these strategies and their financial advisor says, no, that that doesn't, no, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) And, and so they just don't do it. And it's hard because, you know, I always tell people that two plus two will always be four, right? Right. And somebody could tell you that it's three, somebody could tell you that it's five, but it's always going to be four. And unfortunately, if somebody were to meet me on the internet, not know anything about me, you know, they have a history with their financial advisor and they trust their financial advisor. But at the same time, financial advisors are mostly stockbrokers or they're, they're putting money in the market so that they can get assets under management. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but, but their model is anything related to the market. So 529 money, IRA money, 401k money, you know, anything, mutual funds, it's always in the market so that they can make, you know, commission on it and assets under management on it. And so it's usually tricky because the financial industry doesn't, you know, look at, for example, go meet with 10 financial advisors and ask them what you should do for retirement and tell me how many of them teach you about using real estate for retirement. Right. Not because real estate, I mean, real estate's a great investment for retirement. You know, real estate could be a great asset, 
but most financial advisors don't sell real estate. Right, so, right. so they usually don't talk about using real estate for retirement. They talk about IRAs, 401ks, things like this. Mm -hmm. So I think that when I teach somebody a different way of thinking about paying for college, it's just so it's a different way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. You know, most families just want to take that money that they have saved and pay cash for college, but then it's gone. That money's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and some and I tell people that they could earn a 7% return and borrow money at five. And then they go back to their financial advisor and their financial advisor says, well, I can get you 10 or I can get you 50% returns. Well, that's great. But if you're going to take your money and spend it on college, you're not earning anything on it. It's gone. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So I don't care if you're I mean, if your advisor could get you a 50% return, then you just charged yourself 50% to pay for college because hmm. right. mm-hmm. that's the opportunity cost, right? Like mm-hmm. if you pay cash for college or if you use your savings to pay for college and it could have earned 50%, well, then why wouldn't you have just taken out a college loan at four or five or 6%? That would have been cheaper, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. you know? So it's just, it, it's different, I guess. It's a different <laughs> way of thinking. <laughs> it, it, it is. And who's your ideal client? You know, we have so many parents who are, kind of searching, who would be your ideal client to reach out to you? Well, we work with a wide range of clients from those who have young kids and they're just barely starting their college funding plan and they don't want to make any mistakes. Um, Or they may think that the future of college is going to be a little bit different. I don't want to get sidetracked, but another thing to think about with 529 plans is what is the higher education going to look like in 15 years from now? Right. Right. Who knows? Because if you look at the cost and you look at the average income, something's got to happen. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so will there be other educational opportunities available in 15 years that don't qualify for a 529 plan, basically? So sometimes we work with families with young kids that are just trying to find a good plan that's not tied to a certain school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, most of our clients have seniors in high school or juniors in high school, and they're realizing how expensive college yeah. is really going to cost. Right. I think a lot of families, not to be rude, but a lot of families have their head in the sand and they just don't even want to think about mm-hmm. how much college is really going to cost. Mm-hmm. And then springtime of the senior <laughs> year, they start getting all these award letters back yeah. and they're like, holy cow, there's no way that we're going to be able to pay 50 grand a year for this school. And, and of course, you know, Sally's so excited to go to that school. So they, they try to figure out how to make it work, you know, and, and we, so we can work with families that have a lot of our clients will have three or $400,000 saved in 529 plans for college. And we'll help them to, you know, save money off the cost of college, reposition some of those assets, things like that. A lot of our clients have nothing saved. Mm-hmm. You know, life mm-hmm. has thrown them some curveballs, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like what happened with me. Everybody sometimes has some financial setbacks in life and they find themselves with, you know, high, you know college around the corner and they don't have anything saved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they've got to figure out the smartest way to borrow and, and everything else. So, well, before we close here, uh, I want to really thank you for spending this time with us. Um, it's, you know, in 30 minutes, we can't do a deep dive and hopefully people <laughs> will contact you for a deep dive. We did a lot, like a little scuba diving today and just right. touching on a lot of things. 
and hopefully people will contact you to go into that deeper dive for them. And uh, what would be the best way for them to contact you to do that? The easiest way would just be to go to collegefundingcall.com. So collegefundingcall.com and book an appointment with me. That's the easiest way. And then after I have a quick conversation, I can point people in the right direction, whether it's sending them to one of my webinars, whether it's sending them, you know, to my book or whether it's, you know, helping them one-on-one, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think the easiest way would be to just have everyone go to collegefundingcall.com and book an appointment with me. Let's chat, see what your situation is, see what you need help with. And then I can point you in the right direction to get you the right resources. Great. Right. Always, always call the professional. Don't try to do it yourself. It could be disastrous. Hurt yourself. Yeah. Hurt yourself playing. Uh, Thank you so much, Lance. I'm so excited. And we learned as always, Tom and I learn a great deal from our guests. And I want to thank our audience for another great uh, podcast. And uh, thank you, Lance, for being here again and sharing with, uh, with us your expertise. And we will see our audience uh, next week with another expert. And, uh, you know, keep on uh, going to the professionals and don't be afraid to reach out to people. We're all here to help. All right. I'm Maria Geffers. And I am Tom Geffers. And we will see you next week. Thanks again, guys. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.